0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast.
1: Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. I'm your host, Ajit. Uh, We've had a very eventful couple of weeks, let's say, since our last podcast. The IPL has reached its qualifier stage. There's a test series between Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, which is in its second test. And there was an entirely surprising but very entertaining series between Namibia and Zimbabwe that got played. And to help me unpack all of these interesting events, we have a surprising guest, At least those of you who are familiar with the Guerrilla Cricket Universe probably are aware of him. Hello, Mog. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: And apologies in advance. Well, as I said, uh, you don't have to apologize. Feel free to swear. Feel free to be yourself. I mean, we don't (coughs) want any other Mog, right? We don't want the staid alter ego of yours. We want Mog on the podcast, right? can I? all right that's the way to start so uh, before we get going as i had threatened off air um, what what brought you to cricket what keeps you in cricket and why guerrilla cricket
0: uh cricket purely because i'm australian and your choices are cricket and football and for some reason cricket has grabbed me more than football has um i was also better at playing cricket than i was at football Mm. Not particularly good at football, but I had enough eye coordination, hand-eye coordination rather, to um, play cricket reasonably well. And despite the fact I really just generally don't like Australian cricketers, um, there's enough other cricket going on in the world that I can keep watching it and paying attention. The glory of Uganda versus Namibia is the sort of thing that keeps me going. Very Mm. exciting. Um, And guerrilla cricket, um, I... Uh, it Was many many years ago when they were still test match sofa. Um, I think I was looking for uh, some cricket to listen to and stumbled upon them and listened and had a brief break because some of the people on there irritated me and then came back and then they sort of had to change over to guerrilla cricket and since then I've that's who I've listened to and um, they're stupid enough to let me send in the jingles and
1: such so
0: everybody wins.
1: I won't use the word stupid because I think your jingles are uh, one of very attractive things that keeps uh, many of us going back to Guerrilla Cricket. Sometimes they're witty, sometimes they're inane, sometimes they're uh, downright uh, flabbergasting, but they're there, right? For me, Guerrilla Cricket these days would be incomplete without the jingles of Mog. So um, I would like to thank you on behalf of all listeners of Guerrilla Cricket everywhere for your amazing jingles. Pleasure is all mine. Perfect. So now that we've got all the niceties out of the way, how come you don't like Australian cricketers? I thought, you know, the cricketers are an embodiment of the Australian people, the gritty, the hardy people and the way they play their cricket. They, they
0: say that um, the Australian test captain is the most important job in the country. But ever mm-hmm. since uh, the days of probably Mark Taylor and his collection of vagabonds, I've just not liked them largely due to their attitude. A um, little bit too much entitlement, uh, not to take away from the fact that they're actually quite talented, a lot of these guys, but just their attitude irritates me, no end. And some of them, Steve Smith, I just want to hit in the head with a shovel. <laughs> um, and I wouldn't push the brakes with Glenn McGrath. He was crossing the street and that kind of thing.
1: So, <laughs> Uh, I can see where that irritation would come from. It's sometimes visible uh, on the field. But look, as you say, there are a bunch of uh, very talented people. And uh, I mean, for me, it's just about that. I don't mind separating the individual from his craft. And uh, well, they are bloody good cricketers. So I would I would always appreciate Australian cricket for what it is. Maybe you like, you know, a hardworking mentality that Alan Border and his crew had. Or maybe the debonair class that uh, Richie Beno and his uh, people had.
0: Richie Benno's a little bit before my time. Fair enough. Um, but I, I did like Alan Border. He's one of my favourite Australian cricketers. The, the fact that I live in the same country as as all of these people probably doesn't help because there's a lot of overexposure at times. <laughs> right. so having to look at the time over and over tends to maybe colour your opinion a little bit about these dipshits.
1: I mean, you will not be the first or the last person to call a certain Australian cricketer that phrase. I hope not. Well. Let's move on to the cricket on the field, I must I must then say. So, first we go to tests as we are a test-centric podcast. And uh, how, what have you made of the Bangladesh-Sri Lanka tests that are currently underway? The second of those are uh, currently being played, yeah?
0: Yes, I think um, last I checked Sri Lanka was about 100 runs ahead, I think, but it's mm-hmm. uh, the rain affecting it. Um, it was good to see Angelo Matthews is still making runs. That's He's made another 100 today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess you've got to give a lot of credit to poor old Bangladesh who were five for 25 or something. and uh, Exactly. on am back with uh, litton Das and who was it? Uh, Mushfiqur Rahim, I think. Yes. Biggest, uh, I don't remember, was it the biggest partnership for a sixth wicket ever or something? Mm-hmm. These are the sort of stats that I should
1: probably already know. but Nah, it's okay you're allowed to not remember them and neither do i but you're absolutely right they, they, they broke a bunch of records i don't think it's the biggest six cricket partnership of all time but it is for bangladesh and look uh it's also comfortably the highest score any team has made with six ducks in the scorecard right so they have six ducks they have 175 not out a 141 and a 15. if you can imagine the next highest score is nine in that you know 11 member scorecard so those two are out, really outdid themselves when it came to you know from 24 for five to come all the way to 296 for six that's that's quite something because otherwise well it could have really been a one-sided game so i was tweeting about it and i woke up and i was very surprised to see the scorecard very early on and then i kept following it and i thought you know the, how these dinners go they Usually around 190 or 180, they sort of lose a wicket and then around 250, they're all out and sort of the game is still in balance. But these two batted well into the second day ensured that, you know, 365 is a very reasonable total in Mirpur. So if you look at Mirpur, mostly, if you have 350 plus batting first, you're more or less safe in the game. They took their team to safety. I mean, is this something that makes you happy looking at the amount of maturity this Bangladeshi uh, 11 now has?
0: I used to say a lot that no... Um, Al Hassan no Bangladesh, but he didn't, he got a first ball duck. So now you could probably say no Litton Das, no Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. It's good to see them actually not falling in an enormous heap or not um, sort of succumbing to some pressure and being mature enough to dig in and build up an in innings and then keep building it and keep building it and keep building it. They, um, I think Bangladesh has been a little bit, patchy in the shorter forms of the game but they still seem to be
1: going all right in tests you're right and i think uh, one day and the t20 revolution is also imminent for a team that started playing only in 2001 uh to think you know 2022 20, years down the line there's a lot more cricket that they get to play and there's a lot more exposure the cricketing thinking has changed has improved enormously compared to you know, 100 years ago but they seem to be maturing quite rapidly for a team. The only team I can compare who did better than them is Afghanistan, but that's another story entirely. I'm really happy for the progress that the Bangladeshi test team have made so far. I think for the first 10 years, they struggled quite a lot. It was a bit of a pain to see them tour any anywhere outside of Bangladesh. They've come a long way from mm-hmm. there. I know they're playing at home here, but the the mentality, the attitude, at least you have Tamim Iqbal, you have Das, Mushiku Rahim is a part of the older brigade for me. But all of these people, what they what they bring to the team and the maturity that they probably gained from playing all over the world, it's very, very heartening to see. Because I think a strong Asian uh, cricket contingent is always good. Um, you don't want just it, it always to be India or Pakistan or Bangladesh. Uh, you need Afghanistan and, and Sri Lanka, all of these people to also come up. Speaking of that, what did you make of Matthews' contributions? 199 in the first test and now another 100. Uh, he doesn't bowl anymore, does he in Tests? I don't think he's allowed. To to, that. <laughs> he might <will> break
0: something. <laughs> yeah, so probably just as well if he's still able to do that with the bat, then they probably don't want to have him snapping a spine on some miserable flat pitch somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, he's got sort of had a lot of ups and downs, I think, because I vaguely remember he was he might have been left out of a Test side.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, that long ago. But I don't remember if that was injury or. Um, No, there was some discontent as well. So uh, with, I don't think he quite called the selectors Muppets, but he may have done everything just short of that and they decided to leave him out.
0: Expressed an opinion, and that's not really allowed in most um, Mm. cricket organizations. Mm. But no, it's good to see him actually back out there and showing his class. I think I've often... We don't see a lot of Sri Lanka necessarily down here, um, but it's good to... He's one of the guys that I like to think of, I suppose. He's sort of been been there quite a long time. So it's good to see him still being able to contribute and actually, even if he's not bowling, still um give him a boost. Yes, the Sri Lanka has been a bit shy of late as well, I think.
1: Well, I think uh, the next generation of cricketers are not coming through there. So you had the greats that were there, Chamindavas Muralithar and Sangakara, Mahajavaldana, they moved on. So these two, Chandimal and uh, Matthews are sort of left over from that class that, uh, you know, that the uh, people who learnt under these grades and then they, I think, could not kick on as effectively as most people had hoped. They both had uh, stints with captaincy, agreements, disagreements, getting dropped, getting injured, all of it. But also Chandimal has scored 100 here in the second test. And I'm really happy for him because, look, these are actually very good test matches. I mean, they, they are draws probably even the second one is going to end in a draw. Uh, but I think they're good test matches because it involved a lot of competitive cricket over the first four days. I mean, I dare say so even the first test had some excitement on the last day. I don't know if you caught a bit of that.
0: Uh, only after the fact. Only after the fact, sadly. Mm. It's, um, I forgot to get any broadcasts of a lot of matches down here. Um, unless you want to resort to questionable means, which
1: um, <laughs> uh, I'd never do, obviously. I'm surprised. I thought Australia, much like England, were still quite enthusiastic about test match cricket and this is still high high table test match cricket and i'm surprised to hear there is no uh, coverage of that how come
0: uh, i think possibly because it's on during the ipl the ipl mm-hmm. is definitely getting coverage yeah um, and despite the fact that our various pay tv networks could probably quite happily carry a feed of this somewhere um i guess it's their decision that nobody's interested in it down here, so they'll we can watch um, some overpaid Brewster types running around in the IPL instead, I guess.
1: All right, not that I'm big about it, <laughs> right? Interesting, uh, but I, I do think it's going to peter out to a draw this test, right? I mean, unless you see any, any other possibility, any last day hijinks, it's fourth day, and Sri Lanka, rightly, as you said, lead by 115 as we record it. And there's about 20 hours of cricket left off. I'm not sure if all of it will get played even. But do you see Sri Lanka taking 150, 160 run lead, maybe declaring and putting any pressure on Bangladesh? Bangladesh maybe in the second innings collapsing.
0: I can't imagine they'd do it twice. Hmm. I'd like to think they'd have enough pride in what they're doing to at least uh, not have six ducks again. That'd be, <laughs> right. A but no, I think, I think you're right. It's just going to end up being a draw. It'll just sort of carry on there'll be not only any great urgency unless somebody does have a very unexpected burst of talent or Mm. i can't
1: see it happening all right so i mean it it landed in a drawn test series where both the tests were a draw i don't know how long ago this happened because test match cricket has evolved to a point where there are more results than draws um compared to what happened in i know 90s and 2000s so that's quite something and maybe in this case It'll not be the same. It'll be a rare two-drawn test match series, which is, well, uh, which is also a result, let's say, as far as the game's format is concerned. But yeah, I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm just happy to have any test match cricket while this behemoth called IPL grinds on. Well, I mean, it's grinding <laughs> towards a end at least this year. So, uh, have you been following the IPL at all?
0: Was it finished 2028? This current series is going to end. Feels like
1: <laughs> it does, but let's see there are only two games left so uh, well i think we should go to that one then tell me do you follow the ipl do you have a favorite team at all
0: the ipl sort of honored a very awkward time zone mm-hmm. over here
1: um,
0: most of the matches don't start until 11 pm or midnight so i don't really get to see a lot of them which means oh. it's a bit hard to get overly invested it's more sort of following individual players that i would do um whether it's them not doing very well um, as Coley was earlier on, or um, sort of the drama around people like Tim David paying huge amounts of money for a guy that they then don't select. Mm, mm. That's the kind of that I tend to follow. The, it's, not, it's not really something I spend a lot of time pondering, to be perfectly honest. It's, um, if it was, it, there's just so much of it, I
1: think, is the issue. I'd, I'd never be able to keep track of it, I think. Well, I, I can understand where you're coming from. I myself don't pay a whole lot of attention in the initial half at least, and my interest sort of picks up towards the last 10 games, but this year I've been commentating with Guerrilla Cricket, so I'm also following a little bit more because I need to do a pre-game show. I don't know if you ever heard anyone one of those, and we talk a little bit about the games in the week, and then we cover one game on Wednesday, so we did that this week on Tuesday, where the first qualifier was on, and I hope to have the privilege of being there also for the second qualifier, which is on Friday so I can tell you RCB is my favorite team and I was really happy the way Mumbai and in this case specifically Tim David who finally got a chance and showed what he was made of uh, put paid to Delhi Uh, did you uh, follow that at all that that was a memorable game if you're an RCB fan but also a memorable game for other reasons Um, I don't know if you followed it
0: Was um, was that Tim David's 114 meter six was that
1: in that game I think it may have been in that game, but this was just the game that happened uh, like earlier in the week when it was one of the last league games where Delhi had a much better net run rate and all they had to do was win against Mumbai. And they they made 160, it was okay. But they had Mumbai at 48 for two or something after eight hours, right? And from here on, they still had a, a decent chance when Tim David walked in because it was still more than ten to the over for over the last four to five overs, and he nicked his first ball behind and Rishabh Pant dropped the ball. He didn't review review that, even though they had two reviews left. I don't know what went wrong there. And Tim David made um, well a 34 of 11 or something, and that killed the game off. The finisher. Yeah, finally he came. Good. Tell me something. Do you see him playing in Australian colours in the near future?
0: Uh I think he's he's going to play in the T20 blast in the UK, if, uh, if he can keep up that sort of, if he's going along at a strike rate of 300, I think there's a fair chance he'll <laughs> get a, probably going to pick a squad for Australia and then be left to carry drinks or whatever. I'd, I'd probably prefer him if he went and played for Singapore,
1: actually. Uh, the allure of playing for a Test Nation, mate, uh, the allure of playing for somebody who's won World Cups and with whom you can actually win a World Cup, it's always greater, isn't it? If
0: if if he's picked for say the the next world cup then he should clearly jump on board that but if he's going to get picked for some fairly meaningless sort of limited over series with four games against some team somewhere that no one's going to remember 5 minutes after it's finished then he probably mm, yeah. better off for singapore equally i don't know how often singapore's likely to be playing other than in the the world cup qualifiers anyway if they even if they
1: are i mean if you are if, if you're looking for continued cricket, if you're looking for continuity, not just being an IPL mercenary or T20 mercenary, probably Australia is the way to go for Tim David. I mean, I don't like good players from uh, associate nations uh, being poached because of their uh, nationality or their ancestry or so on. But at the end of the day, every individual is allowed to make this choice. And if I were to be in issues, I know where I want to play. But yeah, it's a, it's, it's always a tough question. But for me... I'm excited by what he brings uh, to the table and also that at least towards the end of this series, Maxwell is going all right, but the other guy, Popeye Stoinis, well, he didn't have a good game yesterday. He was in the spotlight. He could have done uh, a start turn for his team, LSG, uh, Lucknow Supergiant, and then taken them across, but he couldn't and RCB won. So at least I'm an RCB fan and I'm very happy. Any chance you at least got the highlights of yesterday's game? Maybe
0: I did see a little bit on on one of our pay TV channels. Here we get these sort of twenty-minute highlight packages of each game, so I try to when I can have a look at those, which probably doesn't necessarily give me a great impression of what's happened, but at least gives me an idea that that a game happened. I'm not convinced Doan is is, mm-hmm. is worth the hype that is around him. Sometimes he he's. He goes to the gym a lot and he
1: he can hit it really big sometimes, but I don't think he's very consistent. So, Mm. Uh, That's the question, right? Would you see Tim David in in his place at number six and seven, six or seven in the Australian uh, 11 going into the World Cup?
0: Put him in at number six and I don't know. Well, he he can't, surely he won't do any worse. Every now and then he'll come off when he's needed to. and If he's able to make 30 off 11, then
1: that's going to help a lot of scores look a lot better absolutely i mean he might be a bolter at the very end i think australia more or less have nailed down the squad i don't really see wade getting another look in though he's he's had enough games with uh Gu- gujarat titans gujarat titans is the success story of the ipl this season because they're a new team along with lsg and lsg sort of lost a bit of steam towards the end and they crashed out of the tournament yesterday after they lost rcb but gujarat titans have won their qualifier and are now primed to play the final at home in Modi Dome, as it's called, in Ahmedabad. And um, they're waiting on a winner between uh, Rajasthan Royals and uh, RCB, which will be the game on Friday. From your limited uh, exposure to IPL, if I were to ask you, I don't know if it's going to be a just question, but I'm still going to pose it. Who do you expect will win? Uh, yeah.
0: I'm going to go with uh, whichever team David Miller plays for. But that's Gujarat Titans. I reckon he'll get him over the line.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Purely because he seems to be like... Uh, I don't know I just like him making runs I guess oh so I don't follow it closely enough to know which sort of local players are um
1: are g- are gonna be putting their hand up either so that that in itself is a wonderful story as well the renaissance of David Miller he's reinvented himself uh, again after about three to four years of being sort of walking blindfolded so to say but uh uh, it's, it's a, again, one of those cricketing stories that you can talk about. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to see. And I hope this also rejuvenates his South Africa career. He, he was always there in the squads, but I hope he can win games for his South African team as well. Because that will make uh, make it a very interesting World Cup. Because you'll have a couple of uh, strong finishes, One in Australia, one in South Africa. And India are not doing too bad. And neither are many other teams out there. New Zealand are okay. And West Indies will be okay come the day. So uh, plenty to look forward to. So I think this IPL has has done well uh, in terms of um, throwing up some players who have sort of resonated their career or, or announced themselves and will be uh, something we'll all look forward to. As an RCB fan, I hope uh, having come this far, RCB are able to take the additional two steps and actually take the trophy. But I'm really chuffed about the way Gujarat Titans have played and Miller, we already discussed what I feel about him. So I would think, uh, well, my heart is sort of uh, divided. If RCB don't make the finals, I'm going to back Gujarat Titans. But otherwise, my heart will still be with RCB. But uh, somewhere in the back of my head, I feel Gujarat Titans may have the fortitude and, uh, let's say, the skill set to make it to their first title in the very first year. Uh, let's see how it goes. Are you a betting man, Mark? Do you bet on cricket? I mean, I know it's a personal question as well. No, I'm ter- I'm terrible at it. I've, I've
0: made... One very good bet many years ago uh, when Bangladesh beat Australia in a one-day game in England somewhere, Mm -hmm. um, which was, I thought, I'll just throw some cash on this, and it paid off. But since then,
1: I try to avoid it because I'm very, very bad at at picking these things. Just terrible. Fair enough. I I myself, I'm not a good betting person. I keep away from it for a reason as well. So... But if I were to have money, I would actually place it on Zurat Titans. That's what I'm going to say. So let's see uh, if it comes through. Meanwhile, we're speaking of associate nations and everything. So Namibia have pulled off an upset of sorts uh, when they've beaten Zimbabwe in a T20 series. So it was a highly competitive series where uh, it swung one way and then the other. So Zimbabwe won the first, Namibia the second, Zimbabwe the third, Namibia the fourth. Uh, that left the series to all locked going into the final game and in a low scoring thriller it looks like uh, Namibia have prevailed so would you be happy for them
0: yes yes um of the various associates Namibia is probably my favorite i think mm-hmm. um and they're clearly the, the second best african side going around they mm-hmm. just need more attention and they they seem to have over the last few years they've they've gotten some depth they've gotten more professional i think mm-hmm. Um they've got David Visa, he's certainly helped him out a lot, although not so much this series. I don't think he had that great a, a run with the bat. Mm-hmm. But um they had uh, Williams and Erasmus for scoring runs for them. Um and they were they were missing a few of their sort of normal first pick players, I think, like um JJ Smiths. Yeah. I don't think he played any. Um Stephen Bard, I think, was missing. Correct. It's just it's good to see well, it, I don't know if Zimbabwe still deserves to be called a, a full test side anymore. They're, apart from the fact they never really seem to get to play any, they're just constantly a shambles. So they maybe they don't deserve that that status anymore, but it doesn't matter they have it and then maybe you beat them. So suck on that, Zimbabwe.
1: Well, it was a low-scoring thriller. Yeah. And uh, in the last game, even though they made only 127, Namibia defended that. You would not uh, underestimate the influence of somebody like David Visa in the training and on the field, on the game day itself, the amount of experience this person brings. He's played international mm. cricket. He's played everywhere. And now um, he's, he's sort of going back to his country of birth, helping them. And he took uh, one for 17 of his four overs as well. It was no mean feat that they were able to keep uh, Zimbabwe down to 95. But you're right. Huh? So Zimbabwe also doesn't come with a whole lot of... Um, caliber, unfortunately. Sikandar Raza was there, but no Sean Williams. They're also struggling when it comes to um, producing good indigenous and homegrown talent, which is able to stand up to um, you know scrutiny in the worldwide uh, competition. And this makes it more and more, for me, a clear maybe for tests to survive. There is a World Test Championship. This is a good move. But maybe a second tier of test cricket where the likes of Namibia, I dare say even Netherlands. Right, Ireland may not like it, but Ireland, Afghanistan, so these these teams could be forming a six or an eight-nation second tier of test cricket, and they should play an alternative, um, you know, series league, so to say, world series league, and the winners of that get promoted, and the losers in the or the last two ranked teams in the world test championship cycle should get demoted. What are your thoughts on this?
0: That would be good. More test cricket is always good. Um, you could get
1: uh, the UAE or Oman or Nepal. They all seem to be on the way. Precisely. Uh, those are the teams I had thought of that will make it an eight. Yes. Yeah. So uh,
0: then you just end up with Zimbabwe constantly being relegated. Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that you could, it would give, hopefully, it would give these, quote-unquote, lesser nations the chance to play test cricket, which at the moment I don't think there's going to be any more full members put in anytime soon. Gives them that chance to aim towards something, and then hone their skills to a point where they can then be a little bit more competitive against people in the upper tiers. I can't imagine that Namibia is going to roll up in three or four years' time and and take on uh, Australia or India and have any great success. But it would give them uh, putting them in a structure like that would probably be a big boost for all of them.
1: I think. Fair enough. That, that That is something, uh, maybe the powers that we need to consider outside of, you know, earnings and TRP ratings and other things which seem to be the most dominant set of things they do think about. I'm sure somebody somewhere, the development managers and so on, who actually are thinking about making cricket a more worldwide sport, um, they've already done a few good things. So, for example, yesterday we got to hear that five women's teams, Thailand, Netherlands, PNG, Scotland and America have been granted ODI status in the women's cricket. Mm. they're doing what they can they're trying to make it more and more open so and i think every associate nation even if it plays a t20 now it's a t20 international so they've also done that so i hope this continues so uh, cricket can only thrive if it becomes more global in its outlook right so for example we hear of um, microsoft's uh, satya nadella who uh, you know has formed a consortium where they are looking to invest something like 120 million US dollars in the Major Cricket League, MLC. So uh, mm. this will be, this will be very interesting as well. I'm I'm very curious what your thought on this is. Would the introduction of cricket into America and you know America taking a big interest in cricket, is that a good thing?
0: Yeah, I don't think it'd be a bad thing. It's, there's 320 million people. There's bound to be a few good cricketers in there amongst it. And the more more teams we have playing, theoretically, the the better it will be. Um, the issue would be getting Americans interested in it who aren't uh, expats mm. from India and the West Indies and and so on. But China is
1: another country. I think they should really be trying to get their hooks in as well. Absolutely. I mean, because uh, you took it right out of my mouth. If they, if they can, yeah. if they can get somebody like China invested in cricket. That's another 1.3 billion people, right? And, um, hmm. and they also have a lot of money that they would like to invest in things and see it grow, uh, the Chinese mindset, so to say. So it's not that bad. If uh, if they want it to be a properly global game, then they need
0: to do, like the, the ICC or whoever's really in charge of this whole shebang, really do need to get countries like China, America, uh brazil don't know i really don't know what the cricket scene in brazil is like mm-hmm. but um they recently had a european t20 tournament which had teams from bulgaria and places like that getting do. a game um which is good to see that it um because they're all official internationals now it, i guess it raises the profile that little bit more and gives us all more stats we have to try and remember Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dylan Stain and somebody—I'm um, remembering this very badly. Bulgaria got uh, someone had an opening stand of 200 and something against them in a T20, which was fairly...
1: Wow. No, I—I I don't seem to have followed this, but that's good news nonetheless.
0: Yeah, that's that's how um, excited I am about a lot of mainstream cricket. I'm busy watching that sort of stuff instead of <laughs> instead of the uh, the big ticket items. Yeah, the more the more we can get playing, the better. The sooner we skill everybody up and, and have a proper system, mm-hmm. uh, it won't just be the same old boring thing of India comes to Australia, Australia goes to England, Sri Lanka tours <laughs> New Zealand 15 times before they tour anywhere else. Even if it is even if it is just T20, that's, that's somewhere to start and that's something they can build from, aspire.
1: Absolutely. I mean, not a turn I saw this episode taking, but uh, I'm glad to hear – you follow associate cricket more closely. You could, you know, one day come and become our uh, permanent uh, associate cricket correspondent. Who knows?
0: Well, uh, I do follow Pavel Florin on Twitter. He's, uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Romanian superstar, mm-hmm. who I think actually he is still Romania's leading wicket taker in T20s.
1: So, there are my credentials. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that that's good enough. That's good enough. All right. Uh, If you were to move on a little bit and follow more news from around the cricketing world, so to say. So uh, Mm -hmm. Dravid's good friend, Lakshman, will coach Indian men's team when they are touring Ireland. So, um, you know, Lakshman followed Dravid or succeeded Dravid as the next uh, coach of NCA National Cricket Academy in Bangalore. Now he's also looking like uh, taking an associate role with Dravid as a coach in the Indian setup uh do you smell any nepotism at all or is it just qualifications is that uh is dravid going to be with the test squad yes Dravid is going to be with the test uh, squad in england well
0: it's a shame that they're not playing a test against ireland to be honest mm-hmm. that, that would be nice to say because again the the poor little countries of the of the setup get overlooked too much but it'd be just I, I don't know what sort of coach Lakshman would be, but he strikes me as somebody who'd probably be fairly good at it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I'm basing that purely on having watched him bat, so whether that's a good indicator, I don't know. But
1: um, it's good to see Ireland actually getting some games as well. No, you're right. Look, uh, I think India missed an opportunity here. It could have been a win-win. Had they played a test match in Ireland, it would have helped them acclimatise... Well, I'm not going to say Edgebust is the same as, I don't know, Ireland, but... It would have given them more chance to bed in in similar conditions if not same conditions and it would have given ireland a test it would have been a win-win right yeah. uh, we know how notoriously bad indian uh, test teams can be when they start a tour you could have gotten those uh bugs out of the way in the very first uh outing when you play ireland and you could have come to england not so ring rusty but uh well i mean they actually have a plan it looks like where Teams are traveling early, and they're trying to train, and they're trying to get some practice games, if possible. At least squad members are, so that they don't c- come completely into the first test uh, looking, uh, you know, fresh off the IPL chops. But okay, that's that's one thing. Moving on, if uh, we were to look at Mott, Matthew Mott, your countryman, getting appointed the mm. England's men's limited overs coach. Your thoughts on that? I don't
0: know whether. He's a a good coach in his own right, or he's just been very lucky to have had the players he's had with the Australian team. Mm. Because it you, you don't probably don't need to do a huge amount of work if uh, if you've got Elise Perry and Beth Mooney and Rachel Haynes and those kinds of guys in your side. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to, interesting to see how he handles a team that's maybe not chock full of world beaters. And it all, I guess it also depends whether he's really in charge or Owen Morgan's the one really pulling (laughs) pulling Mm. the, the levers. But, um, no, it's good to see him actually moving up in the world, some might say. But I guess it depends on your opinion whether the Australian women's team, having won basically everything forever, is, um,
1: is a step down from the English limited overs setup. I mean, I'm thinking yeah. it's the other way around, right? So it's a step down to actually coach the English One Day Team after having coached the Australian All Conquering Women's Team for a while. Probably a massive pay rise, though. Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, this is the real world, isn't it? Where what you get to do has nothing to do with how much you get paid sometimes, and uh, that mm. that's okay. I've I've, I've had uh, opportunities where I've been promoted up because of my incompetency. So it 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 can happen. It can happen. The principle. I think you know also a bit of the corporate world in your, uh, you know, alias. That's what you do. What about Shelly Nitschka? Is she the right sort of person to lead this Australian women's team forward? Now that Marta's left.
0: She's been the the assistant coach for a fair while. So she's pretty Hmm. well embedded in the whole thing. So Hmm. it would make sense if that was just sort of the succession plan. She moves in, things sort of carry on. She'd know all of the players. She'd know the the sort of the up and comers. Hmm. So I think it's probably the right way to go if um i mean i don't i haven't seen anything about them casting out some wide net to try and coax somebody else down here to to be the, the permanent coach but i don't think they need to i think Nitschke can probably do it
1: uh, that is the question why why make her an interim head coach why not make her a full-time coach
0: Uh there's probably some some question of going through a quote-unquote process and and having a a wide net and tenders and making sure that they get the best blah, 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 blah. Mm. It doesn't necessarily show a huge amount of confidence, but who knows? It could just just be the way they want to do it before they announce it properly in a month's time.
1: Who knows? Fair enough. But I just hope she gets the job. Looks like she's... uh the right person. She's been with him for four years or with them for four years as the associate coach or assistant coach and she has a lot of uh, lot of experience coaching. So, I mean, it depends, right? So, but these days, the head coach himself or herself hardly does all the heavy lifting that they have associates and assistants with them. So, what they give is directionality, thinking, no? I think the, your, your head coach, I think, is often more
0: uh, just the person who runs the meetings half the time. Mm. Ah. So, um, I, don't, I don't know what her, her meeting powerpoint skills are but uh, ah i see i see
1: mm. but
0: yeah no I, I think she she's probably the right person
1: for it look at least in australian cricketing culture there's still the place for a uh, darren Lehman, is somebody who will sit with you with uh, with his arm around your shoulders and a bottle of beer in hand and talk to you it doesn't have to always be all about powerpoints and
0: I don't. I don't know what the the culture of the women's team is like. Whether or not that's the kind of thing that um they'd be getting down for. But hmm. uh, again, like I said, they they kind of they know Shelly Nipke. She's been there a while. The players will already know whether they like her or not, or whether they think liking is probably not really relevant. But whether or not she's someone that they can work with and and will be useful to them. So also, I just don't like Darren Lehman, so he can
1: bug her right off. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like there's a bit of history there. i'll have to put up in in that otherwise we might take the rest of the time of this episode so before we go away i think we should uh talk uh, about your cousins across the pond mm. what's with the spate of retirements katie mm-hmm. martin now amy Satterthwaite. what's going on
0: well amy saturday pulled the plug because they didn't give her a contract so why sort of peak. i guess they just think they're a other people it won't it doesn't mean she won't get selected i guess Mm -hmm. um and she'll still be over here for the wbbl i would assume Mm -hmm. but um it seems a bit odd that i don't think she's suddenly dropped in form, or there's this sort of mandatory retirement age or something that they've got oh really set up so it just seems a bit strange i haven't um, haven't read enough about it to know if there's any other stuff behind it Mm. but um if she's officially
1: retired then more benefit for whichever WBBL team she plays for us both. I suppose so. And whichever 100 and whichever other T20 leagues and uh, cricketing teams she'll represent in the rest of the world. But it smells a little bit of uh, hypocrisy and uh, I dare say sexism, but uh, well, I- I'm going to park that because I don't expect New Zealand culture to actually indulge in any of these things. So I'm assuming there's more than meets the eye. At least the other retiree, Katie Martin, seem to have had a full career, 200 and more internationals and You know, a very vocal wicketkeeper, much in Healy's Healy's mould. The uh, the obnoxious chirping
0: thing with the gloves standing behind you, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: She's been, um, I hate to use terms, like a great servant of the game, but Mm. (laughs) she
1: she probably has deserved
0: retiring on her own terms instead of just not being offered a contract and
1: resigning in a fit of peak. All right. I mean, also another nice gesture from New Zealand cricket there. Uh, offering some sort of a compensation. The amounts, of course, will not be disclosed, but uh, New Zealand cricket is offering to compensate Pakistan for the aborted tour that they sort of left on the day of the first game in 2021. And, uh, and they're also offering to play a couple more games in the return visit. Is this a good gesture? Is this enough, do you think?
0: Uh, it might have been nice for them to give some sort of commitment to going back to Pakistan, mm-hmm. at which... Uh, I, don't, I have no idea if that's planned. I can't imagine they've got that set up at the moment. It's it's nice that they're acknowledging that Pakistan needs that kind of exposure by having games played there and then giving them I don't know, 50 New Zealand dollars or something. They can't be that rich in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I dare say there may be a few more zeros involved, but at least it's the right gesture for sure. Yeah,
0: I, I'm not sure. Uh, given the number of times Australia's pulled out of various things, I have. I don't think they've paid a lot of compensation for the various, for the 1,800 times they've told Afghanistan, we're not going
1: to play a test against you. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was a fiasco last year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was just, it was,
1: perhaps I'm just
0: horribly cynical, but it just seemed from the moment it was announced, it was not going to happen because Australia just doesn't like to play these these lesser types if they can find someone better to have a crack at. Mm. I mean, at the moment, I think Australia, so there's been some mutterings amongst Australian players that they don't want to go to Sri Lanka due to the issues going on there currently. So another excuse to get out of playing an overseas test, mm. which at least they did go to Pakistan. Australia did, but... Um, oh, yeah, they did, yeah. Not as nice as New Zealand. They won't compensate anybody if they pull out. They're far too important <laughs> for that. Fair enough. Shut up and be grateful for it, that we even know that there's other cricketing nations out there,
1: et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I, I, this is going to be another can of worms that I'll have to again close the lid on. Otherwise, we're going to go on for a while, I dare say. But yeah, we wish Amy Sathatwade and Katie Martin all the best in their post-retirement careers, whichever direction they may choose—coaching, more cricket, and so on. Staying on a little bit of uh, you know coaching appointments and so on. So Umar Gul has been appointed the Afghanistan bowling coach. He was, I, I think, he was um, employed uh, temporarily on a series-to-series basis. Now he's been confirmed as the full-time bowling coach, Afghanistan. Do you think they can use his skills or his experience?
0: They'd certainly be able to use his experience. Whether or not, it, it kind of depends you know, how much Afghanistan gets to play as much as anything. They, well again, like Ireland, they don't get to play many tests, which is unfortunate. But with the World Cup, when is that, October? That's not that far away.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, him being there is probably going to be fairly helpful for, they've got enough um i think they've got enough talent they probably just need certain amounts of polish and and the tips and tricks and stuff that a guy like gould can give them absolutely i think afghanistan's going to
1: zimbabwe soon i think probably you know more about their calendar than i do i'll accept it be, uh, sometime next month i think they're going to play some mm. some
0: t20s and some one days and things like that so um to see if, if there's any sort of stamp that he can put on them what that stamp would be i don't know all right he'll teach them new insults to I don't know.
1: <laughs> so i mean speaking of that i think he communicates uh he's able to communicate with them in the same language i think he speaks the language uh, that most afghani players do I think, Pashto. And uh, because of that, uh, I think it might be better because he does have international playing experience. He's played enough international cricket, enough franchise cricket and other things. So I dare say this will be a very good addition. And I hope, you know, it will not be one of those temperamental things that get revoked or get revisited very quickly, sometimes as can be in Afghanistan cricket. And he's given a longer rope to play with and given a chance to mould some players, not only the current 11 and current squad, but also those that are growing up uh, there is there seems to be no dearth of talent at least creating talent in afghanistan it's what you said a polish a little bit more um awareness and polish that's pretty much what they need because there's quite a lot of talent look even Fazlehak faruqi the left-arm fast bowler who sort of made his name playing t-10s got selected to play for a IPL franchise he represented the mm. sunrisers right so that, that that's a wonderful combination right there with him and all of those people that are already there in the afghanistan setup i think uh, they have enough. What they also need would be some um, good test match bowling attacks, not somebody who can just take the shine off the ball and give it over to the likes of Rashid Khan and so on. So I'm I'm very curious on how that goes because they are at a very crucial stage of their development where it it will very shortly be everything or bust for them if they cannot really build a competent test attack as good as they are in the limited overs cricket. I think they'll need to take the next steps rapidly when it comes to test match cricket. They've started so well. I, I don't want to see that being squandered. I mean,
0: yeah, they don't want to wait. Oh, so they don't want to end up burning out. Yeah. um, Having to do all the work because their bowlers can manage 10 overs and in innings and then fall over
1: because they haven't really played any longer than that. Exactly. Him and Mujib, and we don't want the likes of those people to ha- do heavy lifting, especially if you want to go out and play in uh, SENA conditions, right? South Africa, England, New Zealand, and Australia. So you'll need to build a good reserve of fast bowlers. So, yeah, um, I really hope this is going to be a very good appointment for them. And then Salman Butt, his former and uh, colorful teammate, I must say. Oh, yes, very, col- very colorful chap. Yes, so he's been appointed the... Uh, consulting head coach of singapore cricket what is a consulting head coach mark
0: i'm going to hazard a guess somebody who uh doesn't have the responsibility but has the power possibly he um mm. he he won't get all the blame
1: when it, it something well <laughs> or maybe he's not required to be on on premises and in singapore at all times something like this he can be going around the world and talking with them over zoom or something
0: do a few do a few zoom calls, send a few emails,
1: mm-hmm.
0: watch um, watch a bit of footage now and then and send back some notes. Yeah, I don't know precisely what you
1: would be. It, it seems a bit a bit of a weird thing. I thought it was always a hands-on job and you had to be present there in and around the setup and so on. But I'm, I, I don't know the conditions of what has been agreed. But he has somebody that he knows and knows him well enough, Jamal Hussein, who was also uh, women's cricket trainer in Pakistan, who's uh, also the fielding coach and trainer for Singapore. So he'll have some people that he knows and he can communicate with effectively as well. There, so I- I'm looking how this is going to develop as the number of uh, number of games they get to play is hardly anything. Singapore. So I- I'm looking at how they will use him in the upcoming period as well. to get Tim David back in that team. That'll help him out now. end. oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. But I think we discussed earlier in the episode at least for me, how I would like to see Tim David go. But, of course, I'm also curious if he takes the same approach or he goes back and says, no, I'm going to stick to Associate Cricket.
0: Maybe maybe he's a consulting head coach because there's a claw in, uh, in the ICC rules somewhere that say a guy who's been
1: ah. done for match fixing can't be an official coach. I don't know. That's an interesting outlook I had not considered, actually. Yeah, that could be it. That could be another thing. You're right. Well, I mean... <laughs> hmm. Who better than a reformed wolfe eh, to guard your chickens? But so on. Yeah, going further, a couple of raps on the knuckles or a bit more. Zubair Hamza, the South African cricketer, who had a sample taken from him on January 17th and then had a provisional, you know, a disqualification or a suspension from March 22nd onwards. So he's been suspended for nine months for a doping violation. And, uh, well, that also means because they took the first sa- sample of him on 17 January, any games he played after that would be struck off from his record. So that means he loses one test match, which he played against New Zealand in this interim. So my question to you, Mark, is how or what would the scorecard say <sighs> if he's struck off? Would South Africa only be shown with 10 men? Or what about the runs he made and he took and so on? Do they just blank his name out? Uh, with a
0: row of x's and leave the numbers in there yeah i I don't know i wonder um i wonder did they what did they do with shane warne while he was out for a doping ban was his name blanked out of things for a while doubt it
1: i don't think he lost any games there he did not have any games stuck off his record this is the first i'm hearing of that somebody's record will actually know be amended where games will be stuck off it but okay i'm just curious but it's very sad to hear that somebody an up-and-coming cricketer pretty much a part of the national setup was caught doping i mean these days i think there's no excuse i think you're given enough power points enough awareness enough you know enough knowledge where you can even talk to people if you have doubts and so on when you take a pill or when you take something but yeah this does come up from time to time Uh, as as much as i would you would like to keep a Sport clean, I think some performance enhancement things come here and there into it, and it's a continuous fight. Probably, been, I mean, it's not as much as in another sport or other sports, but cricket does have its problems, doesn't it?
0: It's, um, it's, it's at least it's good that they've caught somebody mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> taken action for a change. Um, I wonder just going back to the whole what will they do with a scorecard? Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember the tests that the unofficial tests they had with, um, south africa and india i think it was, <laughs> that
1: was, that was oh yeah yeah the one that got de-recognized as a test i remember yeah
0: yeah i wonder if they will do the same with that it's just the test just a not official test anymore mm-hmm. because one of the players or, oh no that would convert russian statistics oh, the, it's unfair on the rest of them so many people be upset
1: yeah, I mean, it's unfair on the other 21 hooker who played. And, well, New Zealand won the game, I think, if I'm not wrong. They won't need yeah. to lose that because it, it'll be a part of the World Test Championship cycle. They won't be happy about it, right? The points and everything. Oh, what a New <laughs> <story>. <laughs> Right, right. I mean, but let's see. Let's see how they how they classify it and so on. Now, Navjot um, Singh who had a road race incident where a person lost his life from 1988. He's been fighting it in Indian courts, but finally... Uh, on appeal, the Supreme Court of India has overturned their uh, earlier acquittal and given him a one-year sentence. I don't know how much you followed this whole story, but, uh, I mean, it went on and on. Oh, I love this guy. Hey, it, like, it speaks
0: wonderfully to the um, the, the speed of <laughs> Indian judicial process that something that happened in 1988 is, is just reaching its final stages now. But I think from memory, part of his initial defence... Um, was that you can't kill a man who's trying to commit suicide because the the gentleman that died came up to him or something. So Navjot was very belligerent about the whole thing. And mm. he's, a, he's a child of the Punjab. He drinks his mother's milk and he had to do what he had to do. And now...
1: That's what it came across when you pull a 65-year-old man out of his vehicle and beat him. What is that suicide by proxy, is it? in navjot's mind yes apparently
0: he was asking for it Mm. yeah that's just that's just strange Uh, he he was a government minister at some point as well in between
1: he's had quite a lot of high posts he's been a government minister in the center he's been the local uh, party president of a specific party in his region Uh, well it was disastrous that stint, but that's another story (laughs) not for this podcast and so on so well he's a well recognized person both politically as well as uh, socially in india it probably explains why it's taken so long to get it done mm. well i mean uh, i have i have a lot of thoughts on this as i said again it'll take another hour for me to get into it but well at least justice was at least seen being done even though as they say it arrived late but it arrived uh, in its uh, well full-handed uh, approach let's see if he really goes to jail and spends any time in prison at all so i'm looking i'm looking on that in the upcoming days I'm just, I if to. <laughs> mm, all right we'll see how that develops well uh just a couple of quick news no surprises that uh broad and anderson have been brought back into the squad when england will face new zealand with the new captain ben stokes and rob key the new director of cricket, pretty much laying that out in the way they spoke about it. Any surprises there for you? No, they, they would have been stupid not to bring him back. And and they
0: don't necessarily have that many bowlers who aren't broken anyway. So they've probably got to play them due to lack of other options. So I don't know whether McCullum had any say
1: in them coming back, but I can't see why he wouldn't have wanted him back either anyway. Pretty much. Yes, I mean, look, who would leave at 1,100, 1,200 wickets out on the sidelines when they're still keen to play? Anyway, at least common sense has prevailed. I'm happy to see that. Well, um, they that really keep playing, so common sense isn't completely... <laughs> mm. All right, let's see. Let's see if uh, maybe one they'll be given time to walk out into the sunset at their own terms. These two, they deserve it, if anybody does. I think so, yeah. Yeah. All right. And then uh, just to finish off some local news, Netherlands have named a very youthful squad. Not a lot of surprises, given that they had a lot of non-availability of their contracted players or people they would like to select for their relevance with people retiring. They are now relying heavily on the people who've done well in the club cricket structure, which they have. So in the Netherlands, you have amateur cricket leagues and as well as professional cricket leagues, the top three leagues, which are the professional leagues. And they're keeping an eye on these people. And uh, yeah, uh, some right people I see have retained their spots as well as have been chosen. And I congratulate all the people who've gotten their chances and next week we have a tour of uh, West Indies starting in the Netherlands. And I hope to be away watching one of those ODIs. So I hope to watch some uh, competitive cricket. So that brings to close all our news uh, things. You're going to say something, Mark. Sorry. Just
0: um, hoping that well, the team that the Netherlands has got
1: is going to be competitive. Good to say. Absolutely. Indeed. So I would like to say thank you for a very patient and a very wonderful conversation you've had with us on this podcast. Thanks for having me. Hopefully it wasn't boring as I think I sound. Oh, not at all. I mean, I think your uh, alter ego, uh, the skills you've practiced as your alter ego comes into the fore in the way you talk and the way you uh, clearly enunciate and communicate. But I would like to understand more about the origins of Mog, the rebellious musician, and how he came about, and why does he hide behind uh, alter ego?
0: (laughs) Um, Well, the name Mog is because when I started primary school, people couldn't pronounce my surname. Uh Uh-huh uh and the best they managed was mog <laughs> and that is um and i think i was just born being a slightly anti kind of person i i barracked for the empire in star wars mm, i see that um, mm. i tend to oh yeah my little display picture on here is from is an imperial officer pretty much um, pretty much all right yeah i, I I don't know how these things ended up happening. I I once enjoyed listening to the music of Queen. Now I prefer to listen to cattle
1: decapitation. Good God. Is that the name of a band um, even? Or just cattle yeah. decapitation? Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I'm going to follow up off air. Thanks for more education. They're, uh,
0: they're very ecologically aware. They're very,
1: Uh uh-huh. they don't like people much, but they're, they're big on saving the environment. Fair enough. So. Fair enough. All right. Thank you once again for a wonderful talk. And where could our listeners reach out to you if they wish to?
0: Well, they can always find me on Twitter um, where my name is Mog7734, which isn't my birthday. It's just hell backwards and upside down. (laughs) Um, Or if they're really interested in in some exciting music, they could go to disinterestedhandjob.bandcamp.com and prepare themselves for some horror. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well i can tell our listeners it's he's exaggerating a bit but it's a unique unique brand of music it takes some some listening and some getting used to it's not as cool. bad as he makes it out very kind of you to say you're obviously drunk all right
0: very kind of you to say
1: <laughs> i hope you continue to make more music entertain all your listeners as well as listeners of kerala cricket thank you once again and uh, i wish all our listeners a good day wherever they may be listening from. Bye-bye. Bye. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast.